your mind. Hello and welcome to a somber episode of the other wrestling show my name is joel and i'm here as always with mike and uh this week we're uh, we're not going to talk about dynamite we're going to talk about john huber also known as Brody lee luke harper big rig you know whatever you knew him as uh we're going to talk about him and uh this is probably going to be a pretty short episode um but in the wake of his untimely death and just the kind of pall that's been over the entire wrestling community we figured we'd uh we'd chat about it and and talk about you know what we remember and and think about about his runs in wwe and aew and just you know discuss the this moment in in pro wrestling so uh that's what we're gonna do before we dive into that uh mike how you doing well you know take take this out of it you know pretty good it was a it was a nice relaxing christmas uh going into new year's tonight you know just kind of chill you know relax with a few people and just kind of ring in the new year and you know the bar for 2021 is so low <laughs> like, <laughs> like it doesn't have to do much to be better like can you think of a year that has had less to accomplish than 2021 and we would consider it a success yeah it i would agree with that i think this was kind of a anything that could go wrong did go wrong kind of year um with the exception of like (laughs) the election (laughs) but you know, even that it's like, we're not going to find out till, till 2021. If, uh, if that went ex- entirely the way we wanted it to. So it, it's kind of a wild space to be in. And, and I thought I'd kind of let my guard down about, you know, the end of the year and moving into 2021 and thinking about, you know, obviously everything isn't going to magically get better when the calendar turns over. It's just a date. But still, you know, I thought I don't really need to think about anything serious and, and I'll let the new year come around and then start thinking about serious things again. And uh, yeah, not so much. Yeah, yeah. How, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's it's just, it's all so sad. You know, I know you watched the episode live last mm-hmm. night. I watched it today. Um, I was just exhausted yesterday and, and didn't want to go through that uh, emotional process uh, live on, on TV. But I, I thought it was a, a really touching tribute and we'll get into that more later, but I'm doing okay. Um, it's kind of been a weird holiday season and uh, I'm ready to put a pin in this awful year and and move on and i think i think we'll get at least six months of a good year in 2021 i think i think that's the that's the where i'm at with it that's kind of how i'm feeling if we get 50 percent, i'm celebrating that's 
that's good. Um, and we can kick off some of the positive news. My sister got vaccinated yesterday. Mm-hmm. The first person I know. I've had some like friends of a friends, you know, get vaccinated, but this is the first person who's like squarely in my life getting the vaccine. And, you know, it's it's slow. You know, I think we're at what, two and a half million people vaccinated right now, but you know, it's something. It's a start. Like I keep telling my friends, I'm like, just get through. You know, it's not going to go back to normal anytime soon, but just get through the next few months, get vaccinated. There's a light, you know, it's still going to be a little different, but like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So that's what's kind of keeping me through the the dark winter here, especially in Boston where it gets dark at 330. Like- oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, I work outdoors and you know how you kind of get that afternoon light when you can and the heat changes from the sun and you can you can tell that. Like the sun is on its way down. Uh, I've been noticing that at like 1 p.m. <laughs> the sun is no longer directly above me. It's like it's already started its descent and we're in that kind of weird afternoon time uh, that, you know, it feels like it should be 430 before it's getting like this. And it's like one in the afternoon. Like, what the yeah. hell? I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before that when I, a few years ago when I moved to Boston. The Boston Globe had an editorial about how New England should move to a different time zone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, I mean, I <laughs> I can understand like, that. Like New England compared to like North Carolina or like the eastern parts of Tennessee, like it's getting dark like 45 minutes to an hour earlier here than even other places in the eastern time zone. It's ridiculous. I, I fully support it. But I think that's enough to do with our, our seasonal depression. Do you want to move into the other reasons we may be depressed, Joel? Yeah, let's let's talk about it. So um, I guess if, if you're living under a rock, <laughs> if you haven't been paying attention at all to professional wrestling, um, but somehow you're still listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you're weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Brody Lee uh, passed away from uh, mysterious-ish circumstances i mean i think mysterious kind of creates a connotation that i don't want to create here so that's not the word that i really want to use but essentially Mm -hmm. um he had been sick for a while he passed away and his wife amanda wanted to keep things uh private as one does when tragedy hits your family um and unfortunately, the wrestling world, uh, particularly the internet wrestling fan community, uh, was not about to have that. So uh, I think, and I've been kind of avoiding details about it just out of respect, but my understanding is that it was some kind of a lung condition that was baffling and uh, not COVID related at all. And that unfortunately, they're doctors were not able to solve the situation. And, you know, he's 41 years old and uh, yeah, he, he passed away, which was, you know, totally unexpected. He'd been off TV for a couple of months. And so I think people were kind of starting to wonder like what's going on. And it just tremendously sad. He's survived by his wife and two boys and, you know, countless uh, friends and and close comrades within the wrestling community, and I'm sure uh, outside of the wrestling community, just given everything that we've learned about him 
from those people and the outpouring of love and kind words since his passing. Yeah. It, um, while the, the wine range and cultural impact wasn't the same, it kind of reminded me of Kobe where it was just a steady stream of stories for God. It's almost been a week now, just streams of wrestlers, producers, referees coming out and telling their John Huber, Brody Lee story, all these wonderful things that, you know, you don't, hear about you don't see it because it is you know it's just who they are in real life so um you know that's that's been i think one of the things to take from this is that you know a lot of the times when a wrestler passes away it you know twitter reacts for a few hours it there's a picture on raw or AEW, and then things kind of move on but it kind of felt like the wrestling world kind of stood still this week with the news here and to see wrestlers from every promotion on the planet, um, you know, reach out and, and tell their stories and give their thoughts and uh, energy towards, you know, Brody's family. It's just, it was, you know, it's a sad moment, but it was really eye-opening, you know, how impactful this guy has been. Um, and what a shame, you know, we... we talked about, you know, before how he finally got utilized in AEW the way that he thought he should and what we thought he should. And we got an amazing 10 month run out of him here at AEW. And uh, yeah, I think it was just a pleasure to watch, watch the ride. Yeah, for sure. Um, I missed a, a good deal of his time in WWE. Cause I wasn't watching wrestling at the time, but from the first time I saw him perform, like you could tell that there was something special there, you know, that there was another level of this guy that we weren't seeing as Luke Harper. And, you know, it felt like for years that he was the person that everyone was like, when is Luke Harper going to get his run? When is Luke Harper going to get his run? Like this guy is incredible and he's just, you know, uh, a sidekick in the Wyatt family. And, you know, that was kind of my introduction to, at the time, Luke Harper. And seeing him work, a guy his size, the way he could move, and the intensity that he brought to all of his matches was just incredible. So um, when when did you first kind of start to, to get get on to Brody Lee, Luke Harper, John Huber. I think we just need to decide, like, what are we going to call him for this podcast? <laughs> Let's go with Brody. Let's go with Brody. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I remember, because I didn't, I didn't have the lull um, watching wrestling. You did. So I really got to see his, his rise with the Wyatt family. And I remember, you know, the Wyatt family and the Shield were the two kind of biggest shakeups in WWE that they had in a long, long time. Groups of young, athletic, uh, super talented wrestlers on both sides. And, you know, he always thought that, okay, the Wyatt family would, they would have their individual successes in the company once they broke up. And, you know, you thought the same thing with the Shield. Well, you obviously saw that happen with the Shield. You didn't see that as much with the Wyatt family members. But I just remember the size of the Wyatt family. Like, Ray Wyatt was the smallest dude in that faction, <laughs> which is... Which is saying something because Bray Wyatt is a big dude. And I Milo. I have the dog and he's being loud. 
Stop it. Um, I'll edit that out. So I just remember the, the size of him and he had an indie work style for a guy who was the size of Kane. You know, it's like, I remember the first time I saw his suicide dive and you're just like, holy crap. <laughs> like that is a big dude flying through the ropes here. And um, I, I liked his intercon- intercontinental championship run um, when the uh, Wyatt family initially separated. Um, it wasn't long, but he was put in feuds with, you know, Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler. And I remember for a while, I don't remember if this was with that run or later, but when he beat an opponent, he put like their patch on his ring jacket and like with a like an X out through it. And it kind of showed these are the people I've beaten kind of like a collection, like, you know, a Dexter would do from uh, the show. So uh, I just, I always thought he was intriguing. Um, and he just had kind of a lot of start, stop and starts in WWE, you know, had some injuries and then, you know, they had trouble figuring out what to do with him, Rowan, after they left the Wyatt family. I know we kind of mocked the Bludgeon Brothers for their name, but they were a fun tag team in their Wyatt family version and the Bludgeon Brothers version. So um, I think I think I always felt, you know, just give him a shot. Let him, let him see what he can do. Um, and it just never really came to fruition in, in WWE. I think it's indicative of his ability to like just put himself into whatever program or opportunity he's been given and make something out of it that he and Rowan both that the the bludgeon brothers was as good as it was because I remember just laughing at it when it first (laughs) happened is like what is this goofy nonsense and then they made it work and I was totally in on it and I thought it was super fun and you know again they just they they didn't really pull the trigger and give them a serious run or put them in contention for anything beyond at the time you know some of the most meaningless titles in all of WWE I mean WWE has not been great at the sustained tag team momentum uh, in a a really long time uh, in in my reckoning. And I I really enjoyed what they did. And I thought their look was fantastic. I think that that was Mm -hmm. one of the striking things was, you know, Harper had been out for a while prior to uh, that, run and he came back in incredible shape and i remember uh, before they did the bludgeon brothers when he came out in the kind of you know somewhat ripped pants and the tight black tank top and he had his hair back in a ponytail instead of just being wild and loose and it was like who's this guy and like why has he not been getting more opportunities because there's some star power and some potential here. So, you know, that I think was when I really started to, to key in on Brody Lee as being, you know, a main eventer and a, a future star within the business. And it's kind of wild to think about because at that point, and of course I didn't know this at the time, you know, he'd already been wrestling professionally for like over a dozen years. So it's uh it's kind of crazy like 
he was right there in the biggest pro wrestling company in the world. And, you know, we saw later on in AEW saw that star power brought about into to fruition. So, um, yeah, kind of kind of crazy to think about. He kind of reminded me of Cody in that regard with when Cody's final few years in WWE where he just made everything work. It was goofy stuff that should not have worked the way it did. Dashing Cody Rhodes. Okay, he's a narcissist. Okay, it worked. Uh, then then at the Stardust, you know, it, they're, when the guys can take anything they're given and, and turn it into something uh, bankable, I think that's a, a an amazing talent. And yeah, like AEW, you know, they, they, they let him roll with it. You know, I think when the we, we talk about his impacts in AEW over the last year, remember where we were with the Dark Order this time last year? Yeah. We were talking about just let it die. Like it, it lost all momentum from the summer. We didn't really know what they were doing. And the turnaround of that faction from then and now is amazing. And I don't think that happens without Brody Lee coming in and kind of legitimizing them overnight. Um, because like the, and they also, they put, they put Brody Lee into a, huge program pretty much right off the bat for the AEW, AEW world championship. So I think, you know, we, we've seen a ton of people um, through the testimonials on uh, dynamite last night to Twitter, just talking about how Brody just wanted to help elevate people. He wanted to help the, the wrestlers around him look better, become stars. And you look no further than the dark order. Look at freaking uh, John silver, man. Oh no. Yeah. John silver. Like, I was I did not think he was anything. We used to mock the Beaver Boys on the show and like John Silver's a legitimate attraction in AEW now. And obviously Silver and Reynolds put in a lot of hard work, you know, they really honed in on their characters, but like them just talking about what Brody Lee did for them is just uh it's very heartwarming and moving. And I think that's the biggest biggest thing I took from this is just how loved he was and you know you, you know, you saw wrestlers from WWE, like Xavier Woods and his entire match on uh Monday night was all Brody Lee inspired. He did the discus lariat. He did spots that Brody Lee did throughout his career, you know? And, um, and then if, if you watch the tribute show last night, just, it, oh, it was incredible. And man, they really got me when I recognized that his wife and sons were on the stage to start the show. Holy crap. That was, <laughs> And I, I just loved like the show itself was great. Like it was a great wrestling show. Sad, obviously, but it's one of those things that you're kind of glad that it, they're doing this. Um, I love what they did for Negative One, uh, Brody Lee Jr. You know, look at MJF, Cave Fabe, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> that man deserves whatever he gets, and him just. <laughs> did you see that he tweeted after the show? Fuck that kid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did. He's, like, I'm just, uh, he's, he's in, committed yeah. to the bit. You he's gotta, committed gotta to hand the bit. It to him. But I love Brody Lee whacking him with the the kendo stick, and then then presenting him with the TNT Championship at the end of the show. And I don't know if you've seen, but they're gonna retire that belt design. Going oh wow! Forward. Yeah, so they're gonna they're keeping the TNT Championship lineage going, but it won't be that red belt anymore. And they announced they're gonna get a new belt designed. Um, they should have something in place for the Brody, the uh, uh, 
Darby Allen, Brian Cage match in two weeks. So yeah, that's what they meant when they say he's a TNT champion for life. Wow. Um, yeah. So just, I, I thought they did really good by his family, gave his wife and sons and they had a, you know, they had a little kid too. And that little kid's going to be able to watch this and, you know, five, 10 years and be able to see what everyone thought of, thought of his dad. So I also, I saw on Twitter, I saw this guy tweeting, I hope in kayfabe that the dark order is led by Rhodey Lee Jr. Going forward. <laughs> that, that, you know, it's like, well, we got a text from junior. I guess we got to beat up this guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this as well, and I don't know if this has been substantiated, but I saw reports that Brody Lee Jr. has been signed to a contract. And I, I don't know if that's AEW's way of taking care of Brody's family and making sure that they still have, you know, money coming in. Um, but I saw that and that, you know, in the future, he'll have the opportunity to try out and, you know, become a pro wrestler if he wants to. And I thought that was a really cool thing too. You know, mm-hmm. we know WWE does their legends deals for the retired uh, pro wrestlers as a way to kind of keep them in the fold and also make sure that they're taken care of. It's, you know, one of the more noble things that <laughs> Vince has done. And I think that this move from TK and the folks at AEW is just really classy because it's an acknowledgement of how important Brody Lee was to AEW in such a short time. And it's true. I mean, we saw all the members of the Dark Order in action on this show, and all of them look legitimate. All of Mm -hmm. them were, you know, potential stars. They all have that it factor. And that was not there, to your point, prior to Brody Lee coming in and making the Dark Order something that was important in kayfabe, something to be feared. And, you know, I'm sure mentoring and teaching all of the men and women associated with the Dark Order. It it, it was clear in their emotions and their reactions throughout the course of the night. And, I mean, it, it was just... It was an incredible show, and frankly, I don't know why we haven't seen this kind of thing before. I mean, I I, I had flashbacks to Eddie watching the tribute shows when Eddie died, uh, where they were entirely dedicated to him. Both, remember, Fraw and SmackDown were both dedicated to Eddie. They had the testimonials throughout the show. They had the families there. You know, Rey Mysterio main eventing i think we're all that year week so i i don't haven't i honestly think the ben wall thing kind of spooked wwe from doing stuff like that yeah <laughs> um and you know this was aw's really you know it's inevitable it's wrestling people will pass away but when someone in their prime like this passes away you know i it's tough but i think i think what aw did you know they did it it was i think it was perfect i think they did exactly what they should have and maybe even more so. And, um, you know, we'll get back to our storytelling stuff next week. We'll criticize and, and poke holes at wrestlers and stuff. But, uh, for one week, it was just kind of a nice thing to just kind of watch and kind of seeing everyone on Twitter, just praising, you know, the perform. I I can't imagine performing (laughs) like they did. And the matches last night were all great. They were all fun. 
Like they were all really good matches too. Yeah, it was kind of a reminder also that we see amazing, amazing athletic wrestling on a weekly basis. But it was a reminder that all of these performers have another level that they can pull out when they want to and when they need to. We saw uh, Colt Cabana do two moonsaults (laughs) in his match. You know, that's something that you don't see all that often. Not that he's Mm -hmm. not capable, but, you know, he's taken a lot of bumps and his style has evolved so that he can protect his body. But not last night. You know, he sold out. We saw some crazy maneuvers that were done because, you know, everyone from top to bottom wanted to make sure that this was an incredible show and an incredible tribute to, you know, Brody Lee and to honor his memory. So. Yeah. Two, two of my favorite little moments from last night. I loved Archer coming out in the Luke Harper. Yeah. Look like when I realized that I was like, Oh man. And actually he kind of pulled off the look. I was going to say, can we just observe that Lance Archer would be way more intimidating in street clothes than, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, I feel like it would fit his character. Like, you know, a la James Storm wrestling jeans. Like it just, it fits. But yeah. anyway, carry on. And then, the other, and then the I other also, day? I really loved like on a show that was, you know, going to be emotional and sad. They still managed to surprise us. In AEW fashion with Eric Rowan, Eric Redbeard coming out to make the save during the match with uh, Hangman Page and Silver and Reynolds. And that was, oh man, that one, that one got me. I think Sami Zayn tweeted, that crushed me. That, that crushed me. That was tough. <laughs> yeah. But what a, what a pleasant surprise. And uh, like Rowan, that sign that Rowan held up, like, yeah. What is it? See you down the road. Yeah. Um, apparently, like Harper always used to tell him like goodbye forever when they would finish tours because he wanted his one or two days at home to feel like forever with his family. And that's where like uh, Rowan's sign came from. I was just like, holy hell. Like, <laughs> oh, and then Eddie Kingston too. his 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 promo before the match. Uh, Brody, I love you. But the Dark Order is nothing without you. <laughs> I thought it was an excellent kayfabe moment, but then also him just talking. And I, I don't think there's anyone better. I, David, uh, God, not Uproxx. Um, there's a wrestling writer I follow. I'll, 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 I'll t- retweet it later. But he basically talked about how, like, how Eddie Kingston is such a good example of, like, masculinity in the 21st century. Like, it's okay to talk about your depression, your sadness, and everything like that. And just another, that little vignette with uh, his interview with Kingston was just uh just really really sweet and really uh touching so yeah yeah um i think my favorite moment of the show was brody junior smacking mjf in the head with kind of <laughs> um I, I thought that was just delightful and uh my second favorite thing was john silver going bananas I mean, he had that long, long run of just hitting everybody and flying around like a hybrid ping pong and bowling ball because he was bouncing around like it was nothing, but he was Mm -hmm. hitting hard and he just took out 
everybody like twice over uh, before he finally, you know, got slowed down. And I think that no one has benefited more from the elevation of the Dark Order and the involvement of Brody Lee in AEW than John Silver. And it was evident in that someone who was completely and utterly irrelevant even six months ago uh, is now a major player, someone that I look forward to seeing on a weekly basis and someone who I think could be a future single star and, and stand on his own merits. And, you know, I don't want to take any credit away from John Silver because I think he's worked his ass off and, and put in so much effort, but I don't know that he gets the same opportunities without the involvement of Brody Lee. Mm-hmm. Did you hear the story about the ring gear he wore last night? Yeah, I did. Well, for our listeners, uh, Brody bought him the jacket, bought him the ring gear as a gift. Apparently it costs like over a thousand dollars. And yeah, you know, Bro- Silver, well, that's he bought it for him for an angle that they ended up deciding not to do for being the elite. Mm-hmm. Like he was willing to shell out a grand for a, a side gimmick for a YouTube web series. Like he didn't care about that. Like the money wasn't the motivator. Like he, he cared about his family and his friends and he cared about making people laugh and making people happy and like that's the that's the prevailing takeaway from everything that I've read, everything, all the stories, everything that's come out over the past few days is just, you know, this was a guy who his head and his heart were in the right place. Someone that, you know, you could aspire to be like. And I think that's rare. Uh, in entertainment. I think it's incredibly rare in pro wrestling. Um, And, you know, I I hope that we can hang on to this and remember to, you know, treasure people while we have them because as, as sweet as, as last night was bittersweet, I guess, um, you know, we had this, this 10 month run that, you know, maybe we didn't appreciate it as much as we should have. But, you know, in, in retrospect, I think we can all see how important and how valuable and what a great example it was for mm-hmm. how you should conduct yourself. Yeah, and I think one thing we can take from this, too, is like how we've we've said thank God for AEW how many times this year? A lot. Like. <laughs> If 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 AEW doesn't exist, we don't get Brody Lee, single star, main eventer, leader of the Dark Order, exalted one. And I think just once again, there being a viable alternative out there gives a lot of a lot of these wrestlers an opportunity to kind of uh, take chances on themselves. One of my favorite posts over the weekend was Randy Orton's, and he was talking about how he was so proud of Brody Lee for having the balls to go out there and make what he want happen. Uh, and I think that's just a, an example of the man Brody Lee was. And, you know, change doesn't happen without action. And, you know, 
I guess what I'm saying is I expect Randy Orton to be in AEW at some point, is, is what I'm <laughs> um, which I kind of would embrace the hell out of that. But um, yeah, so I I think yeah it it was a it was a great great you know tribute celebration of life and hopefully we don't have to deal with one of these again for a while <laughs> a long while um but i also man aw uh, needs to change their tagline to it's wednesday you know what that means i agree i think that would be a really cool thing to do but i also at the same time um i am i'm weary of anything that could potentially provide a, a painful reminder to his family and friends on a weekly basis. You know, um, I think that can be a really tough thing. Yeah, so, and based off of everything we've seen from Tony Khan and the leadership at AEW, I'm sure they wouldn't do that without discussing it and getting yeah. the blessing of the family. And just, dude, props to Tony Khan. Did you see that he he bought the rights to the song? They used in the tribute video so they wouldn't have to deal with copyright issues ever. Oh, I brought, didn't know that. He, brought, he bought the rights to, I think it's Old 55 by Tom Waits. Uh, yeah, just straight up bought the rights for it so the tribute video can be online. Don't have to worry about that ever expiring. Um, so yeah, you know, props, props to AW, props to Tony Khan. Uh, you know, they they did his family right. And and Joel, anything anything else you really want to get off your chest before we uh, we end this and we enjoy some uh, well needed <laughs> downtime? Uh, I don't, I don't think I have anything else I can add that hasn't already been said. I mean, I think I knew that Brody Lee was one of the good guys in this business just from everything that I had read and everything that I had heard. Uh, I I had no idea just how much that was true. And, and I think learning that um, has been, you know, quite the emotional experience and my heart goes out to his wife and kids. I, you know, I think one of the most special things of, of watching the show last night was seeing Brody jr. And how much he clearly enjoyed what was happening in front of him. And I think that, joy can be a hard thing to find in the face of, of incredible tragedy. And, you know, that, that show was a gift, I think for all of us, but especially for his, his family. And I hope that, you know, it helps to bring some, some peace and solace, even if for a moment. So, um, yeah, I'm just grateful. Yeah. Same here. And, uh, Hey Joel, I guess it's a, uh, good time to join dark order. Always a good time to join the Dark Order. Bye, everyone. There's you two. I would like to take this opportunity to introduce myself. I am the Exalted One of the Dark Order. In very short time, you will be up to speed on just who I am. I would first like to state that the new rule of the Dark Order goes like this. We do what we want, when we want. And if I want something, I take it. And now let me put it in a different way because maybe the stupid out there didn't understand. If we come and knock on your door, 
You open that door, and you let the Dark Order in. And if you don't, I personally will kick that door down and lead the Dark Order through it. Seems to be a little bit of silence. Maybe you don't understand. Let me make this one a little more personal, a little more tangible for you to feel, Mr. Christopher Daniels. Oh, you thought you were safe, didn't you? The thing about it is now the word is out, Chris. You are very unsafe. All your jokes, all your games. Did you really think you were gonna go unpunished? Mr. Daniels, I assure you, you are not the first out of touch old man to not believe in me. But I will make damn sure you are the last. Now let me take this time to formally introduce myself to you, Chris. My name is Brody Lee, and I am the Exalted One.